So in today's episode, we're having our amazing uh, worship leader, Josiah, with us. He's one of our good friends, one of the B-Side core leaders, and uh, he's been doing worship with us for a few months now. And we really wanted to have him come up to on the episode to share his testimony, share his heart, share what God did in his life, through his life, and how that impacted the people around him. So Josiah, if you want, you can go ahead and introduce yourself, where you're from, how to... Your background. Yeah, your background. Yeah. Um, hey guys, uh, my name is Josiah Ponte. Um, super excited to be able to share my journey with the Lord. Um, I'm mostly from Florida. I spent some time, about four years total in Kansas City. Um, came back to Florida. Did you go so, to IHOP there? or? Yeah, I was a part of the International House of Prayer there. And, um, what year? Uh, well, I went growing up like my whole life to... Uh, the different like teen camps and stuff so first time i went was probably like maybe 2010 okay. 2011 something like that in that range and then basically every summer after that all the way up until i moved there in 2013 2014 somewhere around there and then moved back there moved away um for good in 2017 okay mm, so wow so uh just to that's that's really a lot of moving back and forth i probably yeah. i only moved once that's from <laughs> ukraine to norport and i've been stuck here ever since then but uh i want to go back to before we get to where you encounter the lord i want you to just say what happened in the your teenage years how did you grow up where uh -huh. did your fall off happen what, what was happening there yeah absolutely um yeah, before I even get started, I just want to say that um, if I if I could like summarize like in maybe just like a phrase of like the theme of my journey with the Lord and like the testimony that the God, that God has given me is I would say that it's just it shows how far He's really willing to go to forgive you. Wow. wow. Um, dude, I would say that it just highlights his redemption, his forgiveness, his mercy. And no matter how far gone you might think you are, no matter how many times mm. you feel like you maybe have turned away from the Lord, that he's actually so willing to accept you back and preach it, bro. Yeah. Uh, it's actually really powerful. That's really awesome. So, um, so what happened? What, what, just tell us about your childhood. Did you know the Lord? Do when you were when you were younger yeah um well i'll explain a, a little bit of my parents background too because uh, yeah that, um, it all, all kind of ties in so um both my parents actually grew up in unchristian homes completely like opposite spectrums my dad uh grew up in like the ghetto of puerto rico my mom grew up like in the middle of nowhere wisconsin just like completely opposites my mom ended up coming actually to Venice, believe it or not, on spring break, right after she finished high school. It was supposed to be like a party trip, like with her friends. She um, came down here and she ended up running into some people that shared the gospel with her. And she ended up going to their church, getting saved, going back home to Wisconsin, telling everybody about how she had fallen in love with Jesus, how amazing he is. Everybody, her parents thought she was crazy. She was just, you know, they're like, what kind of drugs were you on down at that trip? Like, this is not good. 
and they were like super against it but she was like no this is this is it like god is so good like wow i'm so ready to go after jesus and so from that moment she was just like a little fireball and my dad had immigrated from puerto rico to orlando when he was 17 and dang that's um, early yeah and uh so he he like didn't even speak english at all he finished high school like barely knowing english kind of his family was just like you know doing their best to make it yeah. uh his dad ended up um starting like a real estate company where he helped rent um properties and my uh, my mom's dad got a job offer in florida and they ended up actually renting one of the houses from my your dad my dad's dad and so they moved into one of the houses and my dad actually went over to do like a little maintenance thing and he like saw my mom there and she was you know they started talking and she was like hey you should um come to like this young adults thing that i'm a part of uh at the time she was going to a church called church in the sun that's crazy i don't know if you guys have heard of it it's um I don't know if you've ever been to um, any of the One Thing Orlando's. Yes, I've heard about the, them. The church that they do it at is Church on the Sun. Oh, wow. Okay. And so she got plugged into that young adult group when she moved down to Florida. Um, so then he starts going. They all get, you know, they get kind of plugged into the young adults group. They're all going after the Lord together with their little group of friends. They end up getting married. And... The funny thing is, oh, it's called... I don't even know that much about my parents and this man <laughs> this man's like detailed like everything i love it Come well on. i just think it's such a their it, story is just so amazing because they awesome. they get married they're like so on fire and they the lord puts it in their hearts to go after missions and go to the missions field they want to be like wow full-time missionaries and at the uh so at the time when my parents got married my dad actually didn't even have a job which is crazy to me i can't believe that they and he's a doctor that. right now yeah he is so it's <laughs> wow and so they had my oldest brother my oldest sister they had been living in orlando for a couple of years my dad had ended up getting a job as a janitor at the hospital and um story goes that one day he's sweeping up one of the um, exam rooms or you know one of the hospital rooms and he said that the Lord spoke to him and said that I want you to go to medical school, become a doctor, and you're going to use that to go to the missions field. Wow. And my dad is like, um, okay, I'll do it. So he went back to um, school, started studying, um, you know, got all the credentials that he needed. He decided um, to apply for medical school in Costa Rica because Spanish is his first language. And all the everything transfers to the U.S. It was cheaper, like it was just all around better for him, and it was a chance for them to kind of do missions as well as he was going to school in Costa Rica. Yeah, so they picked up their whole family. He got accepted to medical school, moved to a third world country. My mom has no idea what's going on. She's like from Wisconsin, you know, like <laughs> no like idea about Spanish at all. But yeah. she just immediately like gets a heart for the people there. I love it. She like becomes fluent in Spanish. She starts teaching at um like a little school there. And um basically every she would always like try to incorporate Jesus into everything. She would like talk to the kids about Jesus after school. And there's actually amazing testimonies of people that are 
following the Lord to this day that were part of that like little elementary school because of like wow. the things that she sowed there. Faithfulness right there. And so in the midst of all this stuff, here I am, boom, born, Costa Rica, you know, my parents are just doing their thing. Two months after I'm born, my dad graduates from medical school. We moved back to the U.S. And we moved around a little bit to a couple different states. Um, I think it was like Kentucky, Ohio, Michigan for residency and then back to Florida. That's pretty much where my memories start. I was like six years old moving to Florida. I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on. We moved to Florida. We get plugged into, um, we moved to a town called Port St. Lucie. It's like a couple hours away from here. And we get plugged into a church there. My parents just, you do every opportunity they can to do missions. So they're constantly like taking us to like Guatemala. We're like hiking through the mountains, trying to reach like unreached people groups. Wow. And How old are you at this time? Like six, seven, eight <laughs> years old. I'm like riding on a donkey through the woods for like weeks at a Damn. time. Like, going to these like unreached wow. people groups that like they don't even they speak like their own language come on and i mean there's just crazy stories about um that i could go into i mean of just like villages getting saved like miracles like all this crazy stuff this is like my question is how, how do you talk up. to people who don't even who have their own set of language you will you have to do a double translator so we had a translator from their language to spanish and then spanish to english wow, wow. dude <laughs> Talk about a telephone game. See, yeah. uh, what's his name? Um, goodness, the guy who just moved to China, uh, Francis Chan. Yeah, Francis Chan. I just phrased that down. But he was saying like um, how his last missionary trip before he fully got devoted to moving away from America, he said, he said he came into a hut and he they're walking hut to hut to hut and these people that speak their own language and he has like two translators and he walks in and people like get phase like whoa there's something else there's a god that like, he cares for me and like these people that have just like this faith that just comes out of nowhere because they have nothing else they only have that and so he's just like that's what got me like hooked and he's like how could i even go back to america where we have everything and we don't even pay attention to god where these guys have nothing and all they do is pay attention to god it's just so mm -hmm. beautiful so i was it's i mean like my thing is like how would you ever explain to somebody that that one you know how like that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them. And they don't even know a single glimpse. Like we usually talk to people who know something about Christian. These people have right. nothing, zero, zip, nada. That's, that's, that's it's just funny insane. how you actually, all right, now I have to go into the story yeah, a little go ahead. bit because I love it. I'll, I'll make it quick, but this is actually exactly how we got to them because we, we reached this village. We were hiking for literally two weeks to get to them. Wow. Like we'd walk all day, camp, wake up the next day, keep walking mountain after mountain in guatemala to get to these people and we finally get to them they're like living in like mud huts that every time it rains they have to like rebuild them like totally like savage people and we're there a couple of days we have like our super modern like american tents and stuff and they're like what the heck is this you know <laughs> you know we have like all of our little air mattresses and amenities and they're like freaking out and Basically, they're a little chief, like they had like a little organization, like, I don't know, like a, it wasn't like one leader. It was like a group of them were like the leaders of the village, you know, it right. was like a little chief circle chief circle. Yeah. <laughs> and so they had a little meeting and they decided that they didn't like us and that they wanted to get rid of us. They were good. They had this whole like plan how they were going to um, literally like 
murder us in the middle of the night, like burn our wow. tents, like all this stuff. Somebody had actually overheard the meeting and relayed the message to us. And they're like, you guys got to get like everybody out of here, like load the women and children up. We had one Jeep that we had brought with us that carried all the luggage. And they're like, load all the women and children on the Jeep and get out of here. Like wow. these, like this is about to get crazy. And literally in the midst of all they're having that meeting, this baby is being born in one of the things. And my dad goes in there to like help them deliver the baby. And the baby's born with a cleft lip. I don't know if you know. Yeah, you know what that I, is. I know what that is. Yeah. And so they see the baby. They're like, oh, it's broken. And they were literally just going to throw it out into the mud. It's and broken. Let it like, no. they're like, well, they know like it can't eat. So there's nothing Whoa. we can do. And my mom like freaks out. She's like, no, 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 like, like we can do this. Like there's surgeries, like there's things. They're like, what are you talking about? So long story short, my mom takes the baby with us when we flee the village. We take it to the city to the capital we give it to an orphanage they get it like surgery and stuff we leave go back to the u.s come back like a few months later the baby like got through all the surgeries everything is good we make our way back to the village we we talk to the people we're like hey the baby is fixed like it's better now here's the picture the chief guy comes out he's like i don't know about this um you know, the, the father of the baby comes, he's like, okay, um, this is not my son. Like you guys did some kind of weird witchcraft thing or trying to trick us. And we're like, come like with us back to the main city right. to see the baby yourself. And you can bring him back here yourself. So he comes with us and he brings his oldest son, who's like a teenager. And they were like, totally like blown away when they saw the city, the cars, we like took them to like this like KFC type thing and they're like eating the fried chicken, like freaking out. They start like, they're just like throwing the bones and stuff. Oh, like, wow. Like they full on savage style. Yeah, like they Dang. started like literally like peeing in the middle of the restaurant on the floor. I'm like, what? No, like, you can't no. do that. And we like take Dude. them to the bathroom and like show them how to use the toilet and they're just laughing. They're like, what the heck is this? So they're like totally like, this is like a whole new universe for them. Wow. nuts. So we take them, see the baby. He's like in shock. He's like, what in the world? And um, so we take the baby back to the village. He shows um, the baby to the village. Everybody's like freaking out. And um, then that guy like starts breaking down crying. And he turns to my parents and he was like, I was the one that came to the people with the idea that I wanted to kill you guys. And you guys saved my son. Wow. And he's like, whatever God you're serving, that's the God we're going to serve. Wow. And that's so basically like right the missionaries that brought us there ended up like following up with them. They built like a cement church there. <laughs> like they like had a full time pastor there, like discipling people. And to this day, the village is still going hard. Wow. And that's faithfulness um, right there, bro. Like just your parents pioneering i guess you could say um through all that and we're actually going to be talking about that pioneering mm. topic with uh, you know masha you and greg in a future episode on a deep talk but um yeah so continuing on with your testimony of your families and uh -huh. your 
adventures like to some degree it sounds like an adventure yeah. i mean dude like i'm just imagining you being like six years old like just strapped on into like some kind of car seat <laughs> makeshift on a donkey and just like going through no like, way the we mountains. didn't even have a car seat i was just up there just wobbling, <laughs> just wobble but yeah i mean i so these are the type of things i like grew up you know you know seven eight nine years old going mm-hmm. on these kinds of trips like seeing these things the works of god and um then when i was nine years old my parents decided to go on a journey where they started um they had become really passionate about um ending of abortion things like that and the lord actually put on their heart to adopt and they said god if we're gonna adopt we're not gonna like go out and look for a kid to adopt like you bring us the kid we'll adopt it you know and so through a series of events this lady came and she had had so many abortions in the past that she was like, I don't, I can't do it anymore. She's like, would you please take my baby? And my parents were like shocked. They're like, what the heck? Like God actually like provided a baby. Like we were kind of like low key joking. But... <laughs> low key joking. <laughs> like, you know, like it was like one of those things. I love like, the honesty though. I, dude, I love the honesty. That's like the straight upness. Like Lord, that happens so often though. Yeah. Like you're like, Lord, you know, if you just do this one thing for me, I'll do this and this. And then the Lord does it. And you're like, oh, snap. So I actually have to do it now. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so they, I mean, it wasn't that they were joking, but they were like, there's no way it's going to really hit. Like, who's going to yeah. come and offer us their baby, you know? So that happens. We ended up adopting my little sister. Her name's Isabella. She's amazing. Completely transformed my family. Um, and then we adopted two more kids after that um micah and israel and because of all those adoption processes and things like that they had really like slowed down on the missions and um became more family oriented more family more start they wanted to go deeper in our local community and the church that we were going to they just felt like wasn't really going as hard after god as they wanted to go so they actually wanted to get reconnected back to their church in Orlando, which was like two hours away at the time. And so we started driving two hours every Sunday to go to service there. Every Wednesday night we would go so that we could go to youth group there. And we got plugged in there. And after going there for about a year, my oldest brother started, um, they were like talking about this thing that they were starting up called Resound. Um, and um it was like an internship kind of intensive thing and Mm -hmm. um so he went into that and funny enough so did um daniel maronichenko some of these people that are going super hard in orlando they all did that internship together dude that's amazing and um small world (laughs) yeah it is and so i actually grew up like I remember like being like 10, 11 years old, like hanging out with like all these resound people. They're like very, very similar to Beachside, like, you know, worship nights, like going hard, you know, really, really like trying to hit evangelism, trying to hit all these things, like just young, passionate, you know, adults that are like going hard. And I remember going to one of their prayer nights and I was like 11 years old and I'm like, there's something different like going on here than there is at like when I go to church or when I go to youth group, like Mm -hmm. these people like are talking about like knowing God and stuff. And like, this is like different. I don't know. 
And so I like, I, that's when I like really like gave my life to the Lord. I was like, Lord, I want to like live for you. You know, I want to do this. And, um, so from there, uh, I just continued to like, you know, be around those type of people. Eventually resound, like broke off from church on the sun and became like its own church, its own ministry and everything. And, through that we ended up hearing about um like the call with Lou Engel. Oh, wow. um we ended up here and going to some of those oh. um we ended up um hearing about ihop kc um uh, visiting one thing conference um when i was 13 my parents like shipped me to the uh summer camp there at ihop kc and i spent like my whole summer there and no wonder you're such a good worshiper, bro. Like <laughs> this man grew up in like the whole uh, worship community and everything. Yeah. yeah. And um, so then I came back after my first summer at IHOP KC. I was like excited. I was like ready to go. I was just hungry for God. And I my family had heard about a small little local house of prayer that was only like 30 minutes from us called open door house of prayer so we go there for like one of their prayer nights we like it you know we we keep going a couple of times i start like inviting some of my friends to go and one night i walk into the prayer meeting prayer set thing i'm sitting in the back at this point in my life, never once ever thought about doing anything with music, never cared about it, never even crossed my mind. And this lady, um, she's like the sweetest like old black lady. She just like looks at me and she's like, God has anointed you to be a singer, to be a worshiper. And I just see it all over you. And I'm like sitting in the back of the room. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, that's not me at all. Wrong person. And she's like, she's like, no, it's all over you. You're going to get up here and you're going to sing for worship today. And I'm like, oh. what in the world? Like, I'm not doing that. She's like, you better get up here, boy. I'm like, all right. <laughs> get up here, boy. Come here. So I'm like, got all right. that sass right yeah. there. So I go up there. I'm like, la, 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 you know, like going it. And then afterwards, she's like, all right, I'll see you again next week. I'm like, next week? No, this is like a one-time thing. She's like, no, you're going to, we're going to train you up in the, in wow. the gifting that the Lord's called you to. Wow. And I was like, all right, whatever, you know, I guess I'm doing this. So I would come, you know, sing on the worship team, did that. Uh, one of the guys there started teaching me like a little bit of guitar chords and the Lord put it on my heart at like 14 to go there and do my own like devotional set. So I would go at like 6 a.m. Nobody's there. Just sit there, me and the Lord on the guitar for like two hours. And I did that for a while and just had like honestly just such a sweet time with the Lord and how old were you you said i was 14 14 at that time wow and yeah i would get my mom to bring me there at 6 a.m she would drop me off i'd open up everything Mm -hmm. turn everything on and just worship for two hours she would pick me up bring me home dude and that's beautiful i would um you know do other little sets throughout the week there as well um and it was just a really awesome time in my life where i was really like growing and then so the next, that next summer had come up. I'm excited to go back to IHOP KC. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do the music intensive this time. 
you know, everything's going to be great. And I get there and it was like immediately I had like just got plugged into the worst like friend group, all the bad kids, like everybody's like doing all this sketchy stuff. And I'm like, yeah, like these kids are cool. Like, you know, like I want to do this stuff, you know, like the enemy was just yeah totally trying to like deter me um, from what the Lord wanted me to do. So basically that whole summer I ended up just like screwing around, like just didn't do, you know, and like skipping all the services, just messing around, like being dumb Horsing kids. around and just. Yeah, yeah, you know, vandalizing random little things because we thought it's cool or whatever, you know. And so I go back home after that summer and all of my friends that I had made that were like that I had like been inviting to the house of prayer and stuff, they were all like, you know, over it too. And they're like, yeah, like we're all doing bad stuff now too. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So <laughs> basically I kind of went down this kind of like teenage rebellious stage right? Yeah. for around the age of like 15 ish, you know, um, started literally just like going from like zero to like a hundred, you know, not quite a hundred, but yeah, getting there, know, getting, getting there. there. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, my, one of my friends introduced me to weed. We're like smoking weed all the time, drinking, you know, sneaking around. And basically in just confusion and immaturity and just dumbness, I had kind of developed this theology in my head that like, as long as I was doing like, Un, like going to enough prayer services and enough like ministry things that it would just balance out whatever the bad stuff I was doing. So I could, I was like, so I can pretty much just do both. I can do whatever I want. I can be bad on these days as long as I make it up at the prayer set, you know, as long as, Oh, sorry. As long as the scales you're saying, uh, outweigh each yeah, other. That's actually how I thought. And I was like, this is cool. Like I'm going to do this. And so I would literally like go and like get high and then come straight to the worship set and like lead worship. And I'm like, looking back now, I'm like, I can't believe I actually did this stuff. But yeah, it was really bad. And but that was how the enemy just slowly starts, you know, trickling these little thoughts in. Right. And without proper discipleship, that's how like you can just go on these crazy things dude stray from the truth and just get into a distorted truth yeah absolutely and so over that next year my parents started noticing like something was weird with me they didn't really know what it was but they knew something was off and um uh a little bit before that maybe like a year before all this stuff started happening my older sister had moved to ihopkc she was doing night watch she was doing which is like for all of you to know what night watch is it's is basically 24 hour prayer overnight yeah it's basically you are in the prayer room like in like a worship prayer setting for six hours from um midnight until 6 a.m and you do every that day? every single day. And after that, you go to class and then you sleep and you do it all over again. Awesome. And you go to like Bible classes. <laughs> That's harsh. Yeah. That's and harsh. 
So she had been doing that for about a year. So before, oh, it's called. I just wanted to ask you this question because um, during those moments that you were going back and forth doing all these things, did you ever feel like all of a sudden there was like a knocking and like, hey, I'm doing this completely wrong, and like, and then just like you were like, oh no, it's fine, and you kept going to your own thing, or did you just continue doing with your own theology that you instilled in yourself? Really, they didn't, they didn't care about anything else that that was going on. And to add to what he said also, did anybody notice a difference in you? Like the people who, you know, you were close with or that, that mm-hmm. were like encouraging you into like worship or whatever, mm-hmm. or even your parents, because I mean, from what I, it sounds like your parents were really close with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, full on head forward yeah. type of people. I think people around me definitely started to notice people at the house of prayer started like, notice like dude like your eyes are red like what's going on and i'm like nothing dude <laughs> you know like i would like come up with these bogus stories and like i think people were starting to notice like things were weird and i isolated myself to like hide from it you know because i was like oh they don't understand like you know like i know better than them like i can just make it up later with god you know and so i was basically just feeding lies to myself right and mm-hmm. so yeah, so that's kind of what led into everything was my parents started noticing I was acting weird and they're like, maybe we need to get him like immersed in a different atmosphere or something. And so they came up with this idea. They're like, hey, how would you feel about moving in with your sister in Kansas City and you can finish high school there? Um, there's like a bunch of really awesome uh christian schools that are like kind of associated with ihop and stuff and like you can go to one of those you can live with your sister you know it's going to be great you can be a part of like um the youth group worship there and like continue to grow in worship and and i immediately like the first thing i thought was like dude this is going to be sick like I have all my bad friends there. Like my sister's gonna be a gone all night at night watch. Like I can do whatever I want, you know. Like I don't have to worry about my parents. Like this is gonna be sick, you know. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I want to go get closer to God. And totally scheming, totally just being a little evil kid. And so I moved there, 16 years old, and just started going super hard into like, you know smoking weed doing everything bad i could do i would literally like my sister would leave to go to night watch and i'd be like all right coast is clear and like a <laughs> bunch of people would be like flooding my basement like we're all like down there smoking weed partying like having a little shindig and then you know i kick everybody out go to sleep wake up nobody knew and that went on for a, a little while and then eventually obviously you can only keep that kind of stuff up for so long right my sister started catching on she told my parents what happened and everything like blew up my parents like freaked out my mom's like i'm coming to live there um over the summer with you guys your dad's gonna travel back and forth we got to keep an eye on you and i'm like great like this is gonna suck you know and so basically my my mom gets there well both my parents came they have like this serious talk with me They're like look you've been living this life for like over a year like you gotta get your life together like this is serious you know and i'm like blah blah you know whatever 
And they're like, well, you know, you're definitely not allowed to hang out with any of these people anymore. Like we're putting you on lockdown. Like you're grounded. Like we're not giving you rides. You're not getting picked up by anybody and all this. And I'm like, all right. They're like, all the only thing you can do is you can go to the youth group and you can do worship at the youth group if you want. And that's it. So I'm like, all right, fine. How old were you then? Like 16? I was 16. Um, no. Yeah, I was 16. This was like um yeah i think i was still 16 and so basically what happened was i started getting plugged into the youth group and kind of started getting some discipleship from the youth group from some of the youth leaders um the youth pastor at the time was this guy named isaac bennett super awesome guy and um I started um, getting onto like the youth worship team and kind of getting some better friends, getting around some better people. And I ended up doing like this summer like intensive where I really like encountered God in like a super powerful way. I remember that was like, um, this was like the summer. So I turned 16, my birthday's in December, December 30th. And so I turned 16 and then that summer I did the intensive really encountered God. We had like such an awesome time of just going hard after the Lord with like a group of teenagers for the summer. And I remember that was one of the first times that that was the first time I really like got drunk in the spirit. I was like laid out on the floor, like (laughs) felt something that I had never felt before. And Uh I remember somebody coming up to me and they were like, um, once you like experience something like this, it takes away so much doubt of like, if God is real or not. And I, and they're like, what now you're never going to be able to live like the same. And I was like, well, this is crazy. So basically that summer ended, I had been on a good track and I had made all these amazing friends over the summer and everyone was like, yeah, we're all going to be best friends. We're all going to go hard after God together once this is over. And basically I got out of that, went back to school, was kind of doing my thing. And like three months go by and I literally did not hear a word from anybody. I was like super lonely. I was like, this sucks. Like I don't have any friends. Like everybody like ditched me. And of course, here comes calling my old friends, ring, ring. They're like, hey man, we haven't seen you in forever, dude. You got to come hang out with us again. I'm like, all right, but dude, I'm going after God now. Like I'm going super hard after Jesus. I'm not going to be doing any of that. I'm not smoking weed. I'm not doing any of that stuff. They're like, no way, dude. Like we would never do that. Like. We're just want to hang out with you. Of course, first thing I do when I go to hang out with them, smoke weed, do all this bad stuff. I'm like, dang it, dude. So then my parents find out that I went to hang out with them. They were super pissed. They're like, you're grounded. Like, you're not going to do this stuff. We were not going to like let you fall back into that again and ruin your life. And I was like not having it. I was like. I guess, I don't know. Honestly, I really think it was like a spiritual thing that came over me, but it was just like this deep like anger. And like, I was like, no, I'm going to do whatever I want. Blah, blah, blah. I go into my room and I like start scheming. I'm like, dude, I'm running away tonight, dude. Like I'm, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm sick of people forcing me to like love God. I'm sick of people forcing me to, you know, go into ministry things. Like this isn't, it's never been my choice. It's always like people telling me that I need to do this. And I want to make my own decisions in life. So I. 
completely forgetting the encounter you had just a few months ago. Yes, exactly. And literally packed up a backpack of stuff, made a little fake like prop in the bed to look like I was sleeping, like movie style. <laughs> yeah, and um, climbed out the window. And I remember this moment so clearly of like, I had opened my window, I'm like halfway crawling out the window. And I remember thinking to myself, I like pause and I'm like, is this really what I want to do? I was like, if I climb out this window, it's going to change everything about my life. And I was like, all right, I'm doing it. Boom. Went out the window. My friends picked me up. I ran away for like a couple of days. My parents eventually found me because there was only so many places I could go. And they like came to the house. They like, I like go outside and growing up, I was always extremely respectful to my parents never once ever raised my voice at them never once ever like talked back to them like i was i was like like even though i was like doing bad stuff i would always honor them i was always very respectful and when i saw them i like had this like demonic anger come over me i'm like yelling at them like i hate you i've always hated you and they were like so shocked they're like what is wrong with our son like this is not our son and they're like crying, weeping, like what is going on? And my older brother had come and to try to talk to me. And he was like, hey, like, I know you are really angry right now. You don't want to go back to live with mom and dad, but you cannot. I'm not going to let you like stay with these people because you're going to throw your life away doing drugs and stuff. Like you got to at least like do something productive with your life. He's like, how about you come move in with me? At this point, he was going to law school at UMKC. So he lived like 30 minutes away from my parents downtown. And he was like, I'll help you like get your GED. You know, you can get at least a productive life going. Right. You know, um, because I had been kicked out of the school because for running away and stuff. And so I was like, fine, uh, that's better than going back to my parents. So I went back to my parents' house, packed up some more of my stuff when it was like a super emotional thing my mom's like sobbing crying i'm like you know saying goodbye to my little siblings i'm like i'm never gonna see you guys again (laughs) i'm like crying to like go um to go live with my brother and he drags me to law school every day which was like the most torturous thing ever it was so (laughs) boring and like he like forcing me to like sit there like um you were at his lectures and stuff or i would sit like outside of of the lectures and like sit there and try to study for my ged right right okay i lived with him for like a few months and as soon as during this time i moved in with my brother my older sister the one that was like going super hard at night watch and stuff she actually had um uh she had become Lou Ingalls personal assistant and she was like being mentored by him and his wife and like running with that with their family and he had known me too because I went over there a couple times like hang out with his kids and like like our families like intermingled a little bit through a series of events and that's another story but basically she told him what was going on she's like my brother is like going through this really hard thing and he had like a little bit of a soft spot for me because he has a son named josiah and so he heard about it he's like oh my gosh like no like 
that's he's such an amazing kid like i'm gonna be praying for him and then the next day he comes to her and he's like god told me i'm i'm gonna do a 21 day fast for him and the lord's gonna break into his life and he's gonna be he's gonna come home by his 18th birthday god told me it's it's gonna happen we're gonna be interceding we're gonna be contending for this and so she calls me and tells me that um i had just moved in with my brother and stuff and she's like i'm praying for you i heard about everything that happened uh lou is praying for you he's gonna he's doing a 21 day fast for you like we love you and i was so pissed i was like lou engel's doing a 21 day fast for me i was like (laughs) no way dude god is actually gonna do something now like i don't want this leave me alone like (laughs) i don't want to have anything to do with god like why are you guys so persistent like just get away from me (laughs) i was like this is not cool dude (laughs) the demons speaking you know they're like like, flee 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 this is not cool it was crazy so um basically i live with my brother during the time that he's doing this fast and me and my brother ended up going to Texas on like a little vacation thing around Christmas. We were like staying with a family that he knew there. And we ended up going to church with them. Like one of those like super huge was crazy churches. No, it was not for it was it was like Gateway Church or one of those like really okay. big ones. Yeah, yeah. And we go to it and the pastor was actually talking about like demonic influence and like how it's like you know all these different things are like creeping into our to the younger generation and it's bringing like a spirit of rebellion against parents a spirit of all this stuff and i'm like sitting there i'm like this sounds really familiar <laughs> <laughs> sounds almost exactly to what i'm going through right yeah, now. yeah and i literally like got down on my knees and like i was like god like i repent like i you know like i know that i messed up this is like I don't know why I've been pushing away everybody that's been trying to help me and go after like all these things that are like literally nothing and hurting me and like destroying me. You know, listening to just want to bump in with you speaking about everything here. It honestly is like a modern version of David. Like just like you kind of like jumping in and jumping out and jumping in and jumping in, but ultimately coming back to the Lord it's just interesting how that and and you're a worshiper too so like that is true that is true um well so what happened you got down on your knees you started you started praying and uh, did anything happen with that and so i had kind of this heaviness in my heart leaving the service and um, heaviness of conviction yeah that's when conviction actually entered and so i'm walking around for the next couple days I'm like very convicted. I'm like, I don't know. And um, it was actually the night before my 18th birthday. I'm sitting there uh, and the guy that we were staying with comes to me and he's like, he kind of had known like what was going on in my situation and stuff. And he just sits down with me and he's like, look, you're going to be 18 tomorrow. You're not a kid anymore. You got to start making real decisions. Like, excuse me. You got to man up like and take your life seriously. And he just like told it to me straight like that and then left. And I was like, wow, that was kind of he's right. Like, I need to this? do something. It was just a guy that we were staying with, one of my mm. um, brother's friends. And so I went up into the room that I was staying in and like the Holy Spirit just fell. And I was like, 
couldn't stop praying in tongues. I'm like going super hard, like just weeping on the floor, like open up um, a Bible that was there on the desk, like started reading the Bible, like praying in tongues for like a few hours. And it was like super late at night, like almost midnight. It was literally, I think it was 11 p.m. It was like an hour before I turned 18. And the Lord told me to call my parents and to basically like re- like ask for forgiveness for like being disrespectful to them and all these things. And so, and just make things right with them. And so I called them, told everything. I was like, I, you know, like, I'm sorry. Like, I know what I did was wrong. Like, I'm ready to stop being an idiot and then um and then they were like okay what do you want to do and i was like i want to come home and they're like all right we're gonna buy a plane ticket you're coming home tomorrow and at this point i had completely forgotten about lou ingles prophecy but Mm. spot on on my 18th birthday came home wow right on the day flew in and my birthday happens to fall on where um the one thing conference every year in kansas city so i came flew in um my parents picked me up from the airport and we drove straight to um the conference to the conference and i walk in and i see my old youth pastor coming in like it was the first person i saw and he's like josiah where have you been i haven't heard from you in like a year like you just disappeared like stop coming to the youth group like what's going on I told him everything that happened. I was like, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm good now. Like I'm going, I'm going to like rededicate my life to the Lord and everything. And he's like, he's like, you need to do the one thing internship. And I was like, okay. He's like, come on, we're going to go. I'm going to introduce you to the leaders and we're going to do this. So I went, I grabbed the application, filled it out, applied, got accepted. For those of you that don't know what the one thing internship is, it's basically a six months of just going super hard after God where you spend six to eight hours a day in the prayer room, just like seeking the Lord, reading the Bible. You Mm -hmm. read through the whole Bible within six months. You read like multiple different books of like amazing, um, just so those, so those are the people that are usually in the, uh, in the church, like as the, um, upper room is not not upper room as, uh, uh, IHOP is worshiping. There's people who, who are in the crowd. As the internship people? A big chunk of them, yeah, are internship people. There's usually, I think they accept up to 100 at a time. Mm. Um, That's really awesome. And so there, Luingo's prophecy from before got fulfilled. You came home, you started doing the one thing internship. Excuse me. And uh, so where, what happened next in your life during the internship or after like, did you because the, the one thing I'm looking I'm looking uh, to hear about is the continual encounters with the Lord mm-hmm. to solidify your foundation with Him mm-hmm. because a lot a lot of times um, like you've had before you had one encounter and then for months you didn't have anything you fall apart one encounter for months you didn't have anything you fall apart and so now uh, did something else happen that was completely different that solidified this foundation that you had with God? Well, not yet. Believe it or not, <laughs> really. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a modern day David story, bro. Um, It's honestly. But I will say that that gave me a super solid foundation of theology, of the Bible, of testimonies of different believers that have gone through 
you know, amazing things. And, but still, believe it or not, I still had this mentality of like works of like, okay, I now like I've done so many bad things. Like this is what's going to make it, make it up to God is like sitting in the prayer room for six hours a day, sitting in the prayer room for eight hours a day, like going to all these teachings, going out evangelizing, like this is like going to basically make it up by the end of this. I should be about even and <laughs> to, do, to do more bad things. <laughs> and it, it should be like, even just to do some more, oh, man. Not necessarily to I'm do some sure. more bad things, but like, you know, it's like, it was almost like I like had to like, Oh God, something, you know? Mm-hmm. And there atonement. Was... you were kind of like doing like an atonement mm-hmm. type thing. So uh, not, nobody ever mentioned that like, Jesus paid it all. He did it all. Like you didn't have to do anything to satisfy God. Like you don't have to do anything. Like Jesus already did everything. You just mm-hmm. have to come and rest. No one ever t- said that in the middle of it. Or did you just not believe that? I, I guess I just didn't really make the connection because all my whole life, everyone's saying like, oh, like, you know, you need to have like a relationship with God. But at the same time, they're like, oh, we need to be going to all these prayer meetings. We need to be doing, doing, doing. So I'm like thinking in my head, relationship with God equals doing things well, well, well there's two types of mentalities that happen is yeah one is the person understands it right like mm-hmm. but they don't actually put it into their life like it doesn't become personal and you know i i knew a lot of stuff growing up but it only became real to me once i actually went through it mm-hmm. you know like i've heard forever that god is our father you know heavenly father but it never became real to me until i actually lost my biological father Mm -hmm. so there and i believe a lot of things are like that in life where until you can know about it to the t right this is like when we talked about how you can have a degree as a pastor but until you actually you know build yourself up in the experience like bro you can just wipe that thing with your behind honestly because Mm -hmm. it means nothing in (laughs) reality absolutely uh like knowledge is just knowledge Mm-hmm. You know, when you put it into application, that's why the Bible says, uh, faith without actions is dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that sounds like why it wasn't working in you because mm-hmm. it was like, you knew about it, but because it didn't like become real in mm-hmm. the full sense, it was dead. It wasn't doing the full work that it yeah. was supposed to happen. Yeah. And there was, there was a, I would say that that whole entire season was literally just a, huge spiritual battle for my soul like Mm -hmm. because i would be like going hard and then out of nowhere like people would literally come into like the prayer room and be like bro let's go smoke weed like all this stuff and it was just like the lord was like constantly like trying to pull me towards him and the enemy was like throwing every distraction possible and for the first half of it I had gotten in trouble multiple times for doing bad things and they were literally sat me down and like, look, like we accepted you. We denied tons of other people that wanted to be in your seat and you're not taking this seriously. And we honestly should have kicked you out already a long time ago. And if you don't, if you have like one more thing, like you're gone, like, Mm. like this isn't like a game to like mess around. Like we're trying to like go hard after God here. If you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. and i was like dang you know like at least i need to finish like i need to take this more seriously out of respect for these people you know and so i tried to like take it more seriously and for the last three months the lord did a lot in me and i had this whole plan of like yeah i'm gonna go 
to uh, I was like, okay, I need to keep like up with my momentum. Like I don't want to fall back and doing the bad things. I want to like keep my track record up of mm-hmm. doing good things. So I'm gonna like go to IHOP U. I'm gonna you know like start getting on the worship teams. I'm gonna start you know doing that and get involved in all this stuff. Um, and that was my plan. And so I graduate the internship and my, I tell that to my parents and they're like, there's no way you're doing that. Like you're, you're gonna, like you'd need to not be in Kansas city. Like you have too many distractions here, too many like bad influences. Like you're just going to end up doing the same cycle over and over again. Like you need to change something. Right. Right. So I was like, all right, maybe you guys are right, but I don't know what I'm going to do. So I moved back to Florida with them. We moved back to Port St. Lucie. I get back plugged in with Open Door House of Prayer. I'm, I just kind of start doing some worship sets there again, doing some things, still trying to like basically please God out of my own actions and things. Right. And this guy comes to me and invites me to go to um, the Sarasota House of Prayer to help lead worship for like a teen camp that they were doing. And I was like, sure, let's, I'll go. I go there, do the worship for it. It was awesome. Um, afterwards, the director of the house of prayer, his name is Roger Lee. He came to me. He's like, would you, um, want to be our first ever intern here? And I was, we got one other guy doing it. You guys can do it together. I was like, sure. So I do it. And basically it was the same thing all over again, six hours in the prayer room, except there was no musicians or anything except for me. So I was playing piano and worshiping for like six hours at a time. Literally, I would do four hours set, take a two hour break, come back for two hours. No, this, this, this explains a lot about uh, what's going on the worship that we did at Daniel's house, where it was, um, worthy is your name, G. We could go on that song for like hours. Hours. Yeah, I hours. love that song. Me too, dude. I like after after that after that night, I've been seeing that song for like little. I have it. If you saw it in yeah. the living room, it's written out <laughs> "Worthy is Your Name, Jesus" dude, on the wall because it was I in my head that. for weeks. I love that. And so here I am. I'm like, dude, I'm building so much like credibility with God. This is awesome. I'm like I'm clocking in so these, much. <laughs> yeah, like clocking in all these hours, you know. And for like six months again, I did that at the Sarasota House of Prayer, like no one else around yeah. just doing that. The other guy quit like a couple weeks in. So it was pretty much just me the whole time doing it by myself. And um, basically, I just ended up getting burnt out. And I was like, OK, I've been doing this Christian thing for like a year straight. I've been going hard. Like, and what do I have? Like, I feel horrible on the inside. Like, I'm like. I don't even know like I'm I'm just broken at this point like I don't know what to do anymore mm-hmm. and so I decide that I'm gonna take a little break and go back and live with my parents for a little bit and during that couple of months it was like maybe three months I like literally did nothing with my life just sitting around being a hobo doing nothing and then I meet these guys who own a recording studio in Nashville and they're like telling me about it. And I was like, dude, that sounds like the coolest job ever. Like you get to like make music and get paid for it and like help people like be creative and like come up with things. I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, how do I get involved in that? And they're like, just go to school for it. Like learn what you got to learn, like learn how to use the programs, learn how to, you know, work with sound and stuff and then try to get an internship or a job doing it or something. 
So I was like, that's awesome. Short version is I ended up going to a school in Orlando called Full Sail um, for music production and doing that. And then I kind of made this decision where I was like, well, I did the God thing for a year, got burnt out. I didn't feel it because, again, everything was based off me, off my emotions, off right, everything. Right. You know, it wasn't really working out for me. So mm-hmm. I'm going to maybe try doing the world thing for like a year and see how that works out for me. And, and can I just like emphasize on one thing that you just said right there? You said I, I was going off my emotions, this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that that like your testimony, like this part that you're talking about kind of beautifully describes why we shouldn't purely just go off our emotions mm-hmm. purely keyword Absolutely. purely like emotions are good mm-hmm. they're like lord uses them to like touch us and just work through them mm-hmm. but you know there there has to be that guidance of the holy spirit to work through those emotions you know because sometimes we feel rage but just because we feel rage doesn't mean we have to act upon that rage yeah every time you Absolutely. know so yeah and so basically um for like six months i just started getting really heavy into drugs again this time i was doing heavier stuff like just going to college parties doing everything bad i end up getting reconnected with my friends in kansas city they're like full-fledged like dealing drugs going to crazy festivals like full-out insanity and i'm like bro i need to go be a part of this and so i switched my degree to online i move out to kansas city I'm like helping them like sell all these drugs, like doing literally everything, cocaine, ecstasy, everything except for like meth and heroin and stuff like that. We were just doing everything, going hard, like totally just complete darkness. And I was sleeping on the floor every night with no like no mattress, no like literally just like bundling up with my dirty clothes. Like, wow. And I was just spending all my money. I got a job at like a little deli. I'm like spending all my money on drugs, just barely making it. Um, Living this lifestyle for like a year and a half. Move in with this guy who's like really pushing a lot of drugs. He had like huge amounts like stashed in the attic. We're like not even legally supposed to be like living in this house. There's like no furniture in the house. We don't even have a doorknob on the front door. Like homeless people would like randomly walk in all the time. I'm like sleeping on a, on the floor. Eventually I got like a, like a booth that you have like a, a restaurant and I was like sleeping on that for a while and just completely just wrecked and constantly living in fear, anxiety, because we're robbing people. People are robbing our friends. We're like, I went from like zero to a hundred, you know, like literally just full darkness constantly worrying about like is someone gonna break in and try to rob us is the police gonna break in and like do a raid is you know like the car that i got a car from an auction for like a thousand bucks no title no registration i just put a random license plate on it from a random car like completely (laughs) completely bad always carrying like felony level drugs around to to my job i would drive like 40 minutes a day there 40 minutes back and like selling drugs out of my car at work just complete stupidity and a lot of my friends 
had started getting arrested, getting felonies. Things were getting really sketchy. I was starting to get worried for myself. Like, you know, like I'm going to get caught and my whole life's going to be over. And I am coming up on my 21st birthday. And I hear on like a Facebook ad or something that Todd White is going to be preaching at the One Thing Conference on my 21st birthday. And for some reason, I have no idea why. Because I had no real like desire to even like go after the Lord. I wasn't thinking about God during this time, but something inside of me was like, I want to go to that for my 21st birthday. So I like got a bunch of my like druggy friends. I'm like, dude, let's go see this guy. He's kind of crazy. And deep down inside, I was like, if there's somebody that can convince me that God is real, it's It's going to be this. So we go. I'm pretty sure Todd can convince anybody that God is real. (laughs) Dude. Yeah. Just with his testimony. Just with his testimony. Yeah. And so we go, we like sneak in because we don't want to pay and like go up. We're like sitting in the back of the bleachers. Well, like, they all, just like, let you guys in. They're yeah. like, who sneaks into a conference for Christianity? Like, yeah. that's unheard of. Yeah. And we were like getting high on the way there. We're like in the back, like watching Todd White. And immediately when we sit down, he just starts weeping, crying. He's like, he's like, I hate drugs. I hate what it does to people. I hate the demonic thing behind it and all my friends are looking at me like are we at the right place dude (laughs) and i'm like yeah just watch i'm sure he'll say something cool you know and you know we're watching him for a while i don't honestly even remember that much of what he said we ended up leaving and again got that conviction of like man like am i is you know like i feel like maybe i'm not doing something like this isn't right like i know it's not right but then the enemy started using a new tactic on me of like, you're too far gone. Like you had your chance. You grew up in church. You grew up around all this stuff. You had your chance to follow God. It's over. You rejected him over and over and over again. You know, you had all these encounters. You knew that they were real and you turned away from God and you're like, no, I don't want that. And this is your choice. You made it. You God doesn't want you anymore. God is done with you. He can't even trust you. How, you know, you, you know, betrayed him so many times. How can he trust you that you're going to be faithful to him? Like all these things are going through my mind. And I'm like, you're right. Like, I'm just, I'm meant to be evil, I guess. Like, this is it. Lies of the enemy. And uh, a couple of months go by and it just gets heavier and heavier. Just this idea that like I blew it, like, you know, like I would have pictures of like the peace of just like being in the presence of God, of like being in church, being safe. And then I would like remember like my situation. I'm like, dude, my life sucks. Like I'm stuck in this crap, you know, always anxious, always like in fear. You know, I barely have food to eat. Like, I don't know. Like, dude, what does that sound like from the Bible? <laughs> the pair was the, uh, the last son the prodigal son son. literally like his words were basically like that like what where am i what have i done like (laughs) i'm eating food to eat i mean from the pigsty come on man yeah and the lord i really believe that he allowed me to go down this to really like break me and to show me that the world has nothing and you know like when i made that decision in college he's like fine go do the world and see what what it is you know yeah and this is where i ended up two years later and I, one morning I go out onto my porch. I literally, nobody was home. Nobody was around. I just started weeping, crying out. I was like, God, like, if you still want me, 
if you still care about me, if there's anything left for me, then just get me out of this situation. Like I'm sick of this lifestyle. That's all I said. And I was like, you know, whatever. God's probably not even real anyways. So I don't know why I'm doing this, you know, kind of go on with my day a week later. Um, this guy calls me, um, the director of the Sarasota house of prayer, Roger Lee. He's like, Hey, um, I heard you're living in Kansas city now. Um, for the last like week, I just have not been able to get you off my heart. I've been thinking about you. I've been praying about you, um, praying for you. I'm actually in Kansas City right now. Would you be able to meet up with me for coffee? Mm. And and I, I'm dead serious. I did not even think about what I had prayed to God at all. I was thinking in my mind, dude, one of these Christian suckers, I'm going to get a free coffee out of him and then ditch, you know? <laughs> and so I go to the coffee shop. I had rehearsed this whole fake story of how great my life is, you know, how I'm doing so good. I do the whole thing, you know, tell him. And he's just like quietly listening, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah. And then as soon as I'm done, he's like, it's really crazy that you said that because while I was praying for you, the God was showing me like that you were like really in a lot of bondage, that you're stuck in like this really bad situation that. You know, you have like this, uh, like a drug addiction, I think it was. Um, <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> and like, he's like, you're just really, really lost and really, really confused. And the enemy is just putting all these lies in your wow. head about how God doesn't want you anymore and all this stuff. He's like telling me all this stuff. I'm like, what? And you're starting to break down world, very quickly. <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah. And um, basically, God, the whole reason why I called you here and invited you here is because God told me to... Um, offer you a way out of your situation so if you want you can um totally up to you but you can come live with me in sarasota you know get you established restart you know get wow. you like basically a whole second chance at life and i literally started breaking down sobbing crying i was like there is no way and the coffee shop that we met at was right next to the prayer room so i ran into the prayer room ran to the front row it's really funny because he, the, when I talked to him about the story, he's like, I don't know what was wrong with you, but like you literally just got up from the table and walked away without even giving me an answer. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I was just so in shock that I was, I ran to the front. I'm like, God's real. Like, this is insane. And wow, the level bro. of brokenness that I had gone through for the last two years, I was, it was like you're being lost at sea for mm. like months and you see like the rescue boat coming. Wow. And I was like, this is insane. Like mm. I was so thankful for that, mm. that God was going to give me that chance. So Josiah, uh, what's called, I know you have to leave at a certain time. So I want you to take a few minutes and uh, just speak about this, about uh, the situations you're going through and just relay and speak a message to the viewers and just, um, solidify it and then close it mm -hmm. off and then we'll, we'll come back for part two of what god did after this later on okay, okay let's do it um yeah this is the moment that we give to people to speak into the viewer's heart what do you have on your heart just um, if for right now i would say on my heart what i have is exactly what i was going through the lies of the enemy of that you've rejected God too many times, that you've blown it, that he doesn't care about you. All of that is just complete garbage. And God is so ready mm. to accept anybody who has a heart to to go after him. And I'm just so excited. I mean, and I, another thing that I want to say is that the journey 
that you can have with the Lord, the amazing things that he has in store for each and every human that he's created and the amazing things that he wants to do with you are so beyond what you can imagine. If you just submit your heart to him and say yes continually over and over, no matter how crazy, no matter how weird like you're going to look back and be like, that's why he told me to do that. And yeah. you're going to like the adventure that the Lord will take you on is the funnest, most amazing, most enjoyable life experience that you could ever have. And uh, you'll see in the part two of the turnaround of being yeah. broken and just being like living in complete darkness and just like basically homeless to what the lord has done in Sunship, my life bro. since then and yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it and probably gonna into call it your identity in christ yeah entering into intimacy with the lord i mean that's the big theme of the second half of learning what intimacy is learning that it's not about mm-hmm. works learning that it's actually that he died on the cross for you mm. not to gain anything out of you not to get like this robot servant that wants to you know, that he was expecting anything out of you, but just because he enjoyed you and just because he loves you, because he actually wants to spend time with you, to be in a relationship with you. And even if you were the only person that would ever be saved, he would still die on the cross for you. Yeah. And I just want to, I just want to continue on with that with saying that if you are in that situation where uh, God is so far away, you feel like that God's so far away from your heart, that he's so far and there's no way you, you can reach him and the devil's put this trap or reminded that you are not good enough anymore you've fallen too far away there's you're so far gone god's never going to forgive you god's never going to take you back and so you just keep hearing these things and you are stuck and you're wait, looking for a way out right now you can just stop for a moment you can just say god i need you to intervene i need you to stop and i need you to come into my life and do something that only you can do i believe that saying those words out loud to god will be able to start something in the spiritual world that will be able to affect something into your physical world where you're gonna you see what happened to josiah when he just came outside he just broke down in front of god he said that he thought that why am i doing this god's not even real but roger instantly got put on his heart start praying for josiah start start going after josiah because there's something that needs to happen this and that's what god does god instantly he fears uh, uh, sees one person's pain and gives them victory through another person because that's what the Holy Spirit is. He wants to love you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to take you into his arms and he wants to hold you close as his dear child. So I want to encourage you guys, be blessed. Come back for part two next week. Josiah's, Josiah's um, part two will be even even better than this part one. I'm, <laughs> I'm honestly believing it. So we'll see you guys next time. See you Have next a blessed time, day. Guys. Goodbye.